Hey, this is Mike Birock of the Guitar Rescue, and you're listening to the Limelight Podcast. Well, Leia's also, well, Leia's definitely cuter than you, so you can go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, my dudes, welcome back to the Limelight Podcast. Joining me with my co-host, Zach Healy, is uh, Mike V. Rock of the Guitar Rescue. Thank you, brother. Uh, welcome. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. And you guys are set up in Hamilton, New Jersey right now on the East Coast yeah. of the United States. That's pretty tight. That's pretty tight. How long have you run this business for? I've had my own business since uh, 2012. I opened the doors for my own business. I've been a luthier, though, since 2007, so uh, long enough. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And you, yeah. you, you and Zach know each other pretty well. How did that relationship? But Zach, how did you like find? How did you find Mike? Like, how so, did you like get so into a, that? That's a funny story. So, uh, I work up in like Central Jersey area. Um, and I always, it's, it's such a hard thing to find like a good guitar guy to give you good setups. Um, sure. and I, I just asked around and by word of mouth, I, I ran into Mike and somebody said, Hey, take your stuff to Bordentown guitar rescue. They give you great deals. He does a great job. Um, so just like off chance, I went down there one day. It was, uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, Brian Beckham at all. Yes. This big tall guy. So he's the guy that introduced me to you. Um, and I noticed how good and how, how happy he was with your service. So, I just started bringing it there. So I live like an hour away. I will still bring my stuff to you specifically because it's that good. <laughs> so I support the business 100%. But yeah, it just just by word of mouth, that was like five years ago now. So I've been taking my stuff to you for a good five years, basses and guitars and acoustics. Yeah, so, oh yeah. Whole gamut. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. One of the cool things about you guys, though, is I love like your social media presence specifically. Like, I know you guys got a, a definitely a great clientele that comes in. You're always busy. You always have somebody coming in. But definitely like the craftsmanship in terms of like how you give people a sneak peek behind the door of what's going on. Like what? Because I mean, that's a lot of trust that you are being given from a lot of people is to take some really expensive and really priceless items to take yeah. and put work into it. So they're not not every guitar is that expensive either. I treat every guitar if it's a twenty dollar garage sale, you know, fine versus a twenty thousand dollar you know museum piece. I'll, I'll treat them with the same amount of respect. Um, when when it comes down to showing people what I do and how I do it in those little sneak peeks, I, I I never really liked the idea of dropping my car off per se with a, a, an auto body shop and never seeing the mechanic or any type of service where you never see the person turning the wrench. Um, you think about it, you call a plumber, the plumber comes over, you actually talk to them as they're they're fixing your sink or, or whatnot. Um, For sure, a relationship to have. So you feel like. 
you have a um, a stronger sense of what's happening, and you can ask questions along with what, you know what's going on. Like, oh, hey, can, can you tweak this here or there for me? I don't have to go back and say, hey, here, somebody else do this. I'm not the middleman. I I am the person that will do that. So it strengthens the relationship with customers, and that's really really important to me. It's always was important to me. For sure. Like every time I've taken my stuff in, I notice that like you always go the extra mile in terms of just like being out there, like coming, like even right now during the situation that we have, like coming out to people and like greeting them at their vehicles and making sure that like, like they can trust you that everything's good to go. Like, it's just, it's a really warm and good experience. Like regardless of how good the work is, like that alone from that first impression that you get, that was the first thing that locked me in. And that's why I'm driving it over an hour to come see you down and bring my stuff to you. So (laughs) so, it's something that I appreciate. And I I guarantee everybody else appreciates too. And I think that's why you're doing so well at the time. Well, thanks for sure. It's, uh, I'm, you know, I don't know another way to be. So, you know, the the person. That's a good start. (laughs) (laughs) How often do you get these vintage guitars coming in from customers? Like, is it like every so often, or is it more than likely? It's it's kind of half and half. Um, I'll say uh, fifty percent of my customers will bring me something brand new. Um, You know, they they buy a guitar out of the box. It's not set up the right way, Um, even from the factory. It sits in a warehouse or. They'll sit in a showroom, and it usually needs to be tweaked no matter what for the customer based on your preferences. Um, so half of it's new. The other half, the vintage stuff, um, it's uh, it's it's pretty often. Um, I, I have a few guys that collect and, and play as well. Uh, I have a few that just purely collect and want to make sure that they have something legit and good. Um, so, you know, I... A lot. <laughs> yeah, lot. that's crazy. And do they sometimes ask you for refurbishing, um, refurbishing uh, requests as well? Do you get involved with that as such? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. I don't like to restore old instruments to like brand new condition. There's mm-hmm. something about reapplying finish and um, tinkering with things like that that actually um, uh, uh, it's a detriment to to the value of the instrument. Uh, some yeah. guys, though, if you're a player and you want, let's say you buy a, a 60s SG or, or, or a, a 70s Stratocaster and it made them play a lot and it's beat up, I might have to refret it. I might have to do some mm-hmm. electronic work. And there are some necessary things that might need to be done for a player. Uh, but in terms of like total restorations where it looks like it was never been touched again, nah, I don't like to get into that. It's just, it's kind of, <laughs> yeah. So obviously you're you're making this huge move. You're making a move from Bordentown up into Hamilton, and I think this, is this your first full week of? This was yeah. This was our first first full week in in the shop proper uh, with benches and and storage units. So um, I actually turned the wrench for the first time on Friday. Uh, I did I did a good fifteen repairs, so I'm pretty pretty happy about that. <laughs> That's awesome. So and you're you're bringing a. Jaded Faith is coming with you to Hamilton as well, so you can still get those services done. Yep. So yeah, what we ended up doing, um, moving out of Bordentown, we both kind of reconfigured our businesses, and obviously, since I'm not in Bordentown anymore, I changed the name to just The Guitar Rescue uh, instead of Bordentown Guitar Rescue. Um, likewise, uh, Rob at Jaded Faith, um, his amp brand is still Jaded Faith Amps, but he is now just the Amp Shop. So. Nice and easy. <laughs> yeah, so we really wanted to streamline things and kind of kind of keep it so that way you can move anywhere in the country in case it happens. Oh, like, yeah, for sure. We want to expand. We can we can open up a satellite shop somewhere. 
Uh, but there's there's definitely now in the new place we're we're definitely focusing on uh, a bit more manufacturing um, and creating things uh, versus only repair work and only modification work. So we're trying to divvy up the divvy up the tasks a bit. So getting you know, a, your, oh go ahead Zach you're good. I was gonna say since you have your own guitar brand are you gonna continue to do the guitar manufacturing from this place and kind of push that forward as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it, it's about the new space is about six times the size I'd say than the old shop was. Um, we have a lot of space to run around, um, a lot more room to make a, a mess. Um, so, True. you know, it's all dust. Is it's all dust? Dust in general is a is always something that we struggled with at the old shop, but now um, it has a place to go, which is out the garage door. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're. Nice. we're going to be building quite a bit and uh i have a I have a custom design that's in the works um probably this upcoming year we'll have something out um totally unique shape uh unique headstock all my own so i've been working on that for a long time and i finally got it off the ground so awesome. pretty excited about that really how many how many lines have you um put blueprints up for on your own personal time like do you have like a couple guitars that you're ready to kind of put into production right yeah now? yeah so the main one um one of my one of my biggest uh, influences in the very beginning it was Paul Reed Smith. Um, PRS huge influence on me, and I actually worked at the factory for two days. Oh uh, no, kidding! Yeah, I was I was a luthier at another shop, and um, I was I was only a year into it into being a luthier in, in a repair shop. I said, well, maybe I'll just try this out. So I had briefly lived in Delaware, and Paul Reed Smith all over, Mike. <laughs> So Paul Reed Smith was in Maryland, and I went, okay, I'll go work for them and see what happens. So I, I auditioned for their final assembly job, and while I was there, I really learned that um, I learned how they put guitars together and and their their process. And it wasn't the, the final product wasn't for me. Um, how how they went about their their end process, um, I, I I had very little connection to the guitar. I like to be able to build it from start to finish. And I was just a very small part of an assembly line process. Oh, okay. Um, but oh, I know what you mean, yeah. Paul Reed Smith has one general shape of a guitar. And sure. it's kind of like different variations inside that shape. So I always thought that was pretty cool. But it's very hard to build a set neck guitar um, where the neck is glued into the body. Mm -hmm. So skipping forward a bit, Dennis Fano of Fano Guitars, previously Fano Guitars, now of Novo Guitars, um, he is my number one inspiration for manufacturing and he takes the assembly line idea and, and these, you know, relics, unique shapes and really, really streamlined it where he can have a small team working in a little warehouse and create some stellar instruments. So, um, that's kind of the model that I'm following. And, you know, in terms of what I'm producing, it's going to follow that model where it has the same same body shape it's going to be a bolt-on neck uh, style but we'll have different variations in there so you want a maple neck rosewood neck it can go on to uh, an alder body or a swamp ash body nice. you know different stuff and i and the, i have a guy working with me with uh, very custom finish work uh it's Ooh. all hand finishes and oils and open pour finishes and it looks really really stellar so uh we're kind of hitting on something really really awesome that's awesome that's yeah. exciting yeah very excited very excited <laughs> So. I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, the solid ops might not be that exciting, dude, but, like, the uh, fucking end finish is going to be fucking tight. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I kind of, like, uh, dipped into that business with selling drumsticks at one time. I was working with uh, CJ Capella of um, Capella Drumsticks when they used to be uh, very prominent back in the day. Like, they used to, like, endorse um, Buddy Rich and Gene Krupa and all them. Oh, wow. um, yeah. So, I mean, I tried getting into that business. It was rough. Uh, it was tedious. I mean, I'm sure it's just as tedious to start from scratch with the guitar process as well. And you're not doing this alone. You have to have a pretty, you know, well-rounded team around you, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, well, I, so, so I mentioned I have a, a Finnish guy. He's kind of, um, yeah. he's, a, he's a loose partner. I can't, I know my strengths and I know my weaknesses and Finnish work is definitely, um, not something I have the patience to do. So, um, this guy, he, he really just, he started to dabble with it and then just went off running. He was a customer of mine and started sort of really bringing me a lot of things to assemble and said, Hey, maybe we should work on stuff together. He said, yeah, I thought about that too. So he's part of the team. Um, we have a team doing CNC work for us to cut the bodies out. Uh, and then we have another team cutting uh, the rough lengths of the necks out for us too. So we can do a lot of things uh, out of house and then bring it back in to do the assembly work and the, and the fine tuning. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's, there are, there are quite a few people involved. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have to get a social media manager now too, because I just <laughs> can't do all this stuff anymore. Yeah. No, that's why I got a co-host now, man. Like we got to talk about segments. We got to talk about some real shit in the music industry. So, and he's a very intelligent guy himself. So like Zach, Zach's my fucking boy, but, um, I, I expect, I expect your guitars to be in them when we all go back to normal. You know what I mean? For our living style. So I, I sure hope so, man. That'd be yeah. great great that'd be tight how how um how have you been coming up with inspiration for these guitar ideas like i'm, I'm sure your your bodies are going to be a little bit differently um uh created than some of like the other state like uh, less paul's uh finish or, yeah. or a build or flying v or something so i mean everything everything since the stratocaster and the last fall everything's kind of been derivative um there's not been a truly unique comfortable body shape in a very very long time and i will not say that mine is the end-all be-all shape either um everybody has their personal preference so the the purist out there is never going to want to play my guitar because it's not a strat it's not a telly it's not a les paul um but the guys that are a little more experimental that might want to try something that's a little more um uh, contoured and and um not as boxy as some of the uh vintage style guitars that are out there but definitely hearkening back to some vintage shape um that's kind of what i'm going after I'm, I'm really focusing on the modular idea where i can change the insides of a guitar really quickly based on what a customer wants so you know same same cool body shape that works for a multitude of people but will change the insides different pickups different bridges different necks and really, really make it special for people. That's neat. Um, so that's a that's a really long history that you have <laughs> with getting into this business. That's pretty yeah. cool. Uh, just like kind of like a question that I have immediately when you said that, because I mean, obviously, I have no scope on what like the background of a company that I love is PRS. So once you said PRS, even though it was for a short period of time, to hear you say that, not that you're like kind of bad talking how their process was, but just oh, never. yeah. Yeah, because they're great. I mean, I have two PRSs myself, but it's just so a company like that, I kind of put them in the same foothold as like a Martin guitar, like these kind of elite companies that are known for handmade instruments. So I guess my question is, like, do you were you kind of surprised by how the process was with how they manufactured their equipment? Not really. Um, 
you know, I wasn't I wasn't being hired to work for the private stock team, and the private stock team works okay. from start to finish. Mm, okay. Uh, and you pay that price tag too. So there, there are stock models that are, I think, back in the day they were just about two thousand dollars. Now they're three thousand and more. Um, the the team behind that, you have a bunch of people cutting necks out. You have a bunch of people sanding. I mean, their sanding crew is ridiculously large. They're sanding. <laughs> Oh, that's crazy. Crew, and then you have the fret people. Um, yeah, you, you actually had a good eight women winding pickups. Uh, nice, like that. And women wind the best pickups. I'll say that flat out, man. <laughs> <laughs> They're the best. Um, but what I was doing was final assembly, where I took uh, basically a neck and a body set together. It was fretted, finished, but had nothing on it. So I had this carcass in front of me with a barcode. I scanned the barcode. It told me what parts to get. I got them all together and I drilled small holes and assembled it and wired it up. But then once it was wired, I just passed it on and did another one. It was all about how many you could produce a day. And that's the way a warehouse or a manufacturing process works. You need to crank it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so Really, um, Martin Guitars does the same thing. Fender does the same thing. Um, it's a way you save money. You get more people involved. You, you create more jobs, and you can you can crank out more product and, and offer for a lesser price. Um, so I have no problems with that. I'll never bad talk them for that. It's just the way I like to work. I'm never going to produce at this point. I can say I'm never going to produce over a hundred guitars a year, doing it the way I'm doing it now. I mm-hmm. you know one at a time because I'm still doing a lot of repair work. Right. Uh, yeah. So if I get to that point to produce more than a hundred a year, I'm gonna have to have a team helping me out, a bigger team and, and more stuff. So you know, perspectives will change. We'll see. We'll see where I lay where where I, I, I stand in all this later on. But uh right now I, I kinda like the smaller is better idea. Yeah, for I sure. Agree. I, I think boutique guitars they're coming back in a way. Like I th- I think that's it's the niche market for that kind of stuff is is really making it a strong comeback with it. Um, I know that with PRSs, I, I I love my PRSs. I think they're fantastic, but it, it's just the price of them is just a little bit. It's on the steeper side, but yeah, it's it's, uh, it's tricky to navigate the the price. Um, they, they're almost unobtainable. Um, and the, yeah. the cheap ones are actually really good. The Korean models that they came out with the SE line, they're fantastic, and they had that uh, S two line for a while. Yeah. That, it was, it was half and half. It was American-made carcass and then Korean parts. Um, you know, the, it's it was a good solution for people that wanted something a little bit more than just a pure Korean guitar. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really tricky. And you know, our stuff is going to be priced around a thousand dollars, thousand to fifteen hundred dollars max. Um, you know, really trying to appeal to more players than less players. Um, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, now, it's, are it's, guitars, uh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry Keep about that. that. No, you're good, dude. No, it's okay. We're all like a little delay anyway, so it's kind of Ex- difficult. Exactly. To find exactly. Um, are your guitars cradle to grave in the shop? Like, is that how it is, or do you outsource it anywhere else other than the person that does the finish work? Oh no. So the the, the necks and the bodies are outsourced at this point. Um, okay. They're all U.S. Uh, I know the I know the people that make them. Um, I do the fret work on them, the, the final sanding, uh, all the assembly work, and then the finish work gets done by my local finish guy. And that's it. You know, it comes back to me, put the rest of the stuff in there, the hardware and everything, and we're good to go. 
So, yeah, to, to, to have consistency um, as key, CNC machines are the way to be consistent. You can cut everything by, by hand with uh, a router, uh, but they're going to be off all the time. If someone wants something special, I'll make it by hand. That's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But if somebody wants the same exact thing that they just saw, I need to be able to punch it out with the machine. And, you know, running a CNC machine is a full-time job on its own. I can't sit there and babysit a machine with a router. Something like that. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, tailoring to the guitars uh, for your clients, um, that sounds like a, a great business uh, perspective in general, because no matter what their request is, like they're going to be satisfied with the final product, considering it's like a just a one out of one kind of guitar, too. So and yeah. I see a lot of companies kind of getting more into that. I mean, not so much like the big, big companies, but like you see companies like for drumming in, in general, Truth and SJC. I mean, they have the tailored like... Um, uh, ways of going about their business, but it also comes with the price, and these yeah. customers are totally okay with that too. So, Absolutely. and you, you guys are into you know a, probably getting into something more with tailoring these guitars as well if they come yeah. to you with a request. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I, I especially during the shutdown, I I, I built a few. Uh, I had a decent amount of time on my hands, so um, I I built four instruments rather quickly, uh, tailored to what people wanted. Uh, their requests run over the top, so I was able to do them rather fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I like doing that. I really enjoy um, beyond beyond the manufacturing stuff. I really, really enjoy modifying and fixing people's guitars. And it's odd to find something that says they really enjoy, you know, scraping dead skin cells and uh, <laughs> uh, crap off of the guitars. But I really love the reaction that I get from customers when. I take their guitar that they've been beating up for years that they didn't know could play better and I clean it. I give it a spa treatment per se. And then yeah. it comes mm-hmm. back to them they're like, wow, I didn't know this could play as good. Yeah. Um, bring me another one, man. <laughs> <laughs> but it changes, it changes the idea that people don't always need a, a ton of guitars, maybe just three guitars and have them set up regularly and you'll know the difference, you know? So I like that. There's a good connection there beyond just, you know, pumping guitars out to make a ton of money. I'm not into this to get rich. I'm I'm into this to do the good. So we talked about it briefly about Jaded Faith Mods yeah. um, and his own amp company. It's called what is it, the Amp. The so, Amps. <laughs> the Amp Shop is the name of the um, repair facility. Okay. Like the mothership where he'll he'll process the orders for custom amps and so forth. Uh, but Jaded Faith Amps. Uh, it used to be Jaded Faith Mods because he was only modifying things. Now it's Jaded Faith Amps, and that will be the amp line. So, now, how, how did you get involved with him? Oh, that was cool. Um, <laughs> I When I was at the old shop in Bordentown, um, I had two shops in Bordentown. I had one um, at 203 Farnsworth and another one at 123 Farnsworth. So it was like a block away from each other. Uh, the first shop was a closet. It was very, very small. Yeah, it was very small. I remember. Yeah, and uh, it was painted like a Mexican cantina on the inside. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I worked. I worked there on my own for a solid uh, three years. Oh and, wow! And towards the end, I I ended up getting into buying a few vintage amplifiers. Uh, the band I was in was starting to record, and I'm like, well, let me let me buy a few vintage amps. So I actually bought a Bandmaster. Um, to the right of oh, me. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> there he is. Yeah, and um, it, I turned it on. It was smoking. Like, it smelled like fire. So I had Rob's number at, at Jaded Faith Mods, 
And at the time he was working out of his house and he was picking stuff up for me to repair if customers needed an amp repaired. So I called him in. I was like, hey, I got this, this vintage Bandmaster. Can you fix it for me? He said, sure. So he cut me a good deal um, on, on some, some pretty hefty mods. And it was around Christmas time. And uh, he fixed it. He made it sound amazing. Um, I, I took it home, plugged it in, thought it was awesome. I had to thank him somehow other than just saying thank you and paying him. So um, I, I got a bottle of wine for him. I called him up and said, hey, man, I need you to stop at the shop. Um, I got to talk to you. So he, <laughs> he came zooming in. I handed him the wine. I was like, you did a great job. Thank you. And while he, awesome. he looked at my back room and said, hey, how much room do you have here? It's like, you want to move in? And that started <laughs> conversation. So uh, he had to get out of his basement. And uh, his at the time, his knees were pretty bad from walking up and down stairs. Sure. Uh, his, his daughter had, was just turning one. And he didn't want customers going to the house. Uh, so, oh, of course. Can you I'm, imagine that right now? Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so, that's the last thing anybody needs. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was time to break ties and uh, you know, he he we 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 made a, a good move getting in there together, but we outgrew it way, way, way too fast. <laughs> it, yeah. was, it was pretty quick. It's definitely been growing because I, I now that you said it, like I remember going to that original shop and it really was tight, but it had charm to it. It was nice, it had a good vibe. Yeah, it, it it had its thing going on. I was in the middle of a bunch of restaurants, you know, it was it, it is a great area. Yeah, it was cool. It, well, it was cool. Now with the shutdown, everybody's eating outside, and it's just yeah, uh, yeah. But so, when did did you make the decision to move to Hamilton? When did that transpire? Because I feel like you've been hinting at it for a little while. We we so we we were in Bordentown for eight years total, and um, I was very comfortable with the name of the shop and the location. Um, my part of the business, without manufacturing, my part of the repair business could very well have survived in that building. Um, half of the building was allotted to um, instruction. So we had three lesson rooms that we built on the premises. And then we had a showroom for, um, you know, merchandise. The merchandise part dried up. No one was coming in and buying stuff from us. We always sold online. Uh, the, the few strings that we sold, I could just have in a bin behind a counter. It didn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, then when the lessons stopped happening, uh, that really affected our rent and how we could afford the building. Um, without teacher income, they really kind of put a kibosh on, on the, the overhead. For uh, sure. And Rob and I just, we, we really... We watched the industry change for the past few years. Um, my side of it really kind of stayed the same this year. It took a little tilt down because of all the shutdowns and people being nervous. But Rob's side, he really uh, he really wanted to pursue manufacturing instead of repair work. Um, so, you know, we couldn't do anything grander than what we were doing at our, at our old location. Yeah. And... You know, shutdown gave us time to think and run numbers and look at the situation, and we got back into it. And I, I remember walking up to Rob and just saying, "You know, man, this was a fun dance here at this place, but I think it's time." And uh, I was getting prepared to actually work from home because I thought he was going to be able to find a place on his own. And wow. then uh, we, he came up to me and said, "Hey, I found this warehouse." I went, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we 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 checked it out. We checked it out on a super hot day. We opened up the garage door. And it felt like it was 70 degrees on the inside. I'm like, this is, this is cool. All right. I could, I could get behind that. Yeah. 
I could deal with this, but I really had to sit on it for a few days. And then, you know, we, we made some agreements and I said, yeah, we can make this work. So, um, once everything got set up though, it was like, why didn't we do this sooner? Uh, it, it's just incredible. Like the space to run around and move and spread things out. Um, we were no longer on top of each other or ourselves. Um, it's necessary. Um, it was a really, really necessary move. Plus, I, I do like I like I like that it forced me to really reevaluate my business and the name. Um, tying yourself to a location is cool sometimes. Like New York City Guitar Repair, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but or L.A. Guitar Repair, but yeah. Bordentown Guitar Repair. I always had people saying, "Oh, where's Bordentown or Border Town?" Um, <laughs> So now with the guitar rescue, it's like, okay, where are you located? Find the address. You're you're there. That's it. You're good. Yeah, so, you guys might be able to franchise that in the near future. You never know. This guy's yeah, limit. Yeah, back back before when it was just Bordentown Guitar Rescue, I had to think of like, oh well, I'd have to have doing business as Princeton Guitar Rescue or doing business as Langhorn Guitar Rescue. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. it's okay, the guitar rescue satellite number one number two number three like same way guitar center kind of works with you know the guitar center of langhorn guitar center Cherry right. very very easy just to take the name and move it so yeah i'm glad it, it was a relieving process though once you guys found the warehouse and you'll be able to set up you know i mean that's something that i i feel for you guys uh during this whole pandemic and everything so i'm really fortunate that's fortunate that that happened to you that's awesome yeah, trust me. This is my first day off in three weeks, though. Um, I have nonstop. We when we moved out of the old place, we actually packed everything up, broke everything down. We had to deconstruct the lesson rooms. Um, once we vacated, everything went into my garage here at my house. Oh god! Wow. <laughs> I emptied it out, and we we packed it to the gills. We had a refrigerator in there as well from the old shop, uh, workbenches, everything. And we rented a box truck and got it all into the new place in, in less than a day. Uh, but it was we, we built new benches. We built the whole facility up. Um, you know, it's it, construction didn't stop until actually Friday afternoon. So it's been it's been a really long few weeks. <laughs> yeah. And now you're on our podcast, which is very yeah. appreciated taking the time. Dude. <laughs> like, it's cool. It's cool. It's good. You might be a workaholic. I'm not going to assume that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. No, that's totally cool. I, me personally, I, what is, what is the tedious part behind, um, repairing guitars in general? Like how, like what are the nightmares that, you know, might come up to you when going about, uh, helping somebody, with their not building it from scratch but like taking their guitar and fixing it like is there any like nightmare scenarios where you're just like god like what do they do to this thing like i don't <laughs> understand like it kind of half and half um one i never know who worked on it before me um, oh that's true i never thought of it like that yeah so i've seen a lot of guys come in um either coming in from you know the guy down the street that works in his garage or they felt like, oh, my, my input jack failed, so let me just grab the, the plumbing solder and some coax cable. <laughs> you know, I've seen some pretty nasty stuff that people tried to fix on their own or just fix it improperly. And that's it's hard to unscrew the pooch once it's been screwed. Uh, <laughs> so that's difficult. Um, the other is when something, you know, breaks and you had no idea it was going to break. Uh, it's very, very... It's far and few between when it happens, but... Sometimes catastrophic things happen in my hands and it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. Like um, 
I've had a headstock break in my hands uh, from adjusting a truss rod. I just tightened it a little bit and poof, something snaps. Oh my God. That's so scary. But you, I mean, part of this, you just make good on it. You get it fixed or, or you fix it and you don't charge for things that don't happen. But right. uh, the, night, the nightmare and the tedious things are when you kind of get in over your head where I thought it was just going to be a restring or a setup and all of a sudden, hey, you need a new bridge or, or you, need a, you need a whole rewire because this thing's shot. Those are the difficult conversations to have. But usually people are pretty understanding saying, oh, yeah, I could see that. Go ahead and do it. So, yeah. Yeah, yep. or it's like they know MacGyver personally, and it's like, how yeah. the fuck did you do this? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, the other part of it is, um, I tell a lot of people, it, it's when when people understand this fact, it makes it a lot more. Um, uh, it's easier to understand. It's just basically it's easier to understand when you know this fact. Mm-hmm. My job partially is to turn the wrench, and the other part is to talk, is to be the median between the instrument and the player. So let's say Zach comes in and says, um, you know, my guitar is really difficult to play. I'm not sure what's going on with it. Like it's not intonated right or it's just not playing the right notes. So my job is to kind of feel that out and say, well, how are you playing? You know, what kind of music do you play? Do you play clean, dirty? Kind of kind of acting as a therapist um, between the player and the guitar. Because the guitar can't speak other than how you play it. Mm-hmm. my job is to make that play as best as possible but i can't do that unless i really talk to the customer and find out what they need so i work on it make it as best as possible hand it back and then past that it's just kind of that nudging into the perfect comfort zone for you because his setup isn't the same as the guy next door setup everybody has different needs um people probably wouldn't like to play my guitars because i have it set up for a very very specific style of playing my bigger purpose is to really be that median between the instrument and the player. And I, I feel like I have a knack to do that. I won't pat myself completely on the back, but uh, I, I really feel like I kind of know <laughs> how to do that with people. So Yeah, but you build that relationship and you care about the instruments in itself. So that, that's pretty cool. I mean, I still, I mean, if I, I hope that this happened in one of my drum sets once because we lost power oh, like way back in the day, but it completely warped. Like it was in the middle of or late uh, fall, early oh, winter. Yeah. yeah and that I, I even put blankets on it and it still completely like shifted. Like I just, and the sound completely was lost. Um, how do you go about trying to, um, for advice of keeping the instrument safe? Because I mean, although it's not a living, breathing thing, it's, you know, it's solid wood. It's just, you know, the, the care and the maintenance behind it, it still needs to be upheld yeah. while I tell owning people, it. Guitars, guitars still think they, they're trees. Um, they were once trees and they, they still want to move like trees. That's why they have truss rods and um, things to keep them straight and, and, and happy. Um, my best advice for people, um, first off, routine maintenance, always find your guy. If it's not me, find somebody and, and bring it in and have it worked on, um, establish that relationship. Um, second, um, you know, keep your guitar safe in a case treat a guitar. Like, um, you basically treat it like a child or a dog. Hmm. Um, you're not going to leave your guitar in a hot car on a sunny day for hours. Well, you know, that's a big one. Yeah, yeah. Um, you're I'll not break gonna break that window if I see a guitar for sure. Really, <laughs> 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 even happen. <laughs> um, there, uh, you know, things like that. Like, don't, don't. The temperature and the humidity issues with guitars are real, and uh, if you treat the guitar right, it'll treat you right. Uh, so, really, proper maintenance and, and care of an instrument is is crucial, and that'll that'll save you a lot of headaches. 
So, you know, and other than that, just play your guitars. Like, don't buy a guitar and not play it. Play the oh, hell. That's the worst. Man. It, yeah. it hurts my soul when I see people do that. I just sit in a corner. I'm like, get up and play it. Let's go. Like, it needs to be played. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. asking for it. It's begging for it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when uh, I, I deployed back in 2017, and I remember going to your shop to get a guitar I wanted set up for when I brought it out there. And it was like this little crappy old, uh, it's like a Fender, uh, like concert style acoustic. And I remember asking your advice, I was like, is it safe to do this? Is it safe to ship it? Is it safe to do this? I was so paranoid. Because like my, my worst fear was, uh, was getting out there having expectation I was going to get it because that's, it's therapy to me. So that it's going to, it calms me down. It makes me like, it just makes me relaxed. It's ask my wife, I'm, I'm around the house. I have like one of those little, uh, the Martin LXMs, yeah. the little travel series guitars. And I literally just do, I doodle and noodle around the house with it. And I remember asking you, I was just like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to take care of this? It's going to be in the dust. What am I supposed to do? But it, it made it, it's still here. It's got a nice little Panda sticker that I found while I was out there too. <laughs> So, so I also heard that you said you're, do, are you still doing music as well? Are you in a band or anything like that? I used to be. Um, used well, to be. Okay. It's kind of complicated. So <laughs> isn't it always yeah. pop off, man, pop off. <laughs> I, was in a, I was in a band called paper jets and, um, we, we played a lot for a while. Um, it just got to the point where we, we really weren't progressing or I felt like we weren't progressing or, sure really making a headway and it was a fun thing to do. Um, but man, I was, I was getting older and, um, it happens. Yeah. It was just time for it to go, but I, I love writing music and, and creating. So I still stay active. I record with people when I'm asked to, to play. Um, I have a project called beta rat. That's just me. Um, I program everything. I play guitar on it. Uh, I sing on it. Um, so that's how I stay, I stay creative, but I'll never play live. Um, I, I think I did one event where I sang, uh, <laughs> I played piano and I sang a song over it. was like, that's it. That's as far as I go. <laughs> but honestly, with, with having a child now, um, my energy's just gone for, you know, staying out late at night. I got to mm -hmm. stay up for the child if, if I need to, I need to be present for his life. And I, I just, I can't waste it not making money playing music. So yeah. I, th I think you're circumventing all that good energy into your business too. So, I mean, you're still involved with it. Obviously. Exactly. You love it. Exactly. And I, get to play guitar. I play guitar every day at my shop. Like I know that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> I get to play. So I'm constantly playing and having a good time. Now, can you give me a secret and tell me what is the greatest guitar you've ever played personally? That's come through your shop. That's come through my shop. Now I'm hoping you took a picture of it too. Mm. Man, um, I there. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot, probably. Like you can't work really on, pick one. Work on a lot of guitars. I have to say, um, a great, a good customer of mine. Well, uh, he's a great customer. A great customer of mine. Um, had a 1982 Les Paul custom um, that it just it just sang like this thing. Yeah. You know, it was wonderful. It wasn't the greatest era of guitar, but man, it just it just had it. Um, that was one of those stunning guitars. Um, I've got pictures of that. Uh, actually, I have pictures <laughs> of me playing it because I ended up procuring it from that guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I've seen some great basses that just sound like pianos. Uh, yeah. 
couple really nice acoustics. Uh, a couple nice. The nicest acoustics have been Martin uh, acoustics. Uh, some really custom shop Martin acoustics. Um, some one offs, like one of three, one of two for artists. Mm. Um, Do you prefer acoustic over electric when working uh, with any kind of uh, clients? Like, is there uh, major differences? There, there are some. Um, so. Electric guitars, you can you can work on the minutia of the guitar um, a lot uh, more precisely. So you can intonate, you can move the saddles on an electric guitar a lot easier. Um, I wish I had one around me right now, but guitars <laughs> behind me. Um, <laughs> you can um, you can adjust the saddles and, and a lot of the metal pieces on an electric guitar and really fine tune it for a player versus an acoustic. An acoustic is built preset, and there's only so many adjustments you can make for that. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the bad word for everybody is buzz. Like, no one wants their oh, guitar to yeah. play it. But that comes down to playing style, too, because if you play super hard, it doesn't matter how, hard, how high the strings are or how it's set up, you're going to make that guitar buzz. So um, I, I would say an electric guitar is a bit more complicated in how many elements there are. But an acoustic guitar is sometimes trickier because of how little you have to work on to get it right. Um, so it's kind of balanced out. Um, they both take about the same amount of time. So Yeah, that yeah. seems pretty self-explanatory. I mean, I just never knew the difference. I never got my hands in any kind of build. Um, with everything going on that we have the pandemic and with COVID-19 running rampant still, unfortunately, within this country and all over the world, um, so just as an insight, how do you go about business when having customers come through the shop now that you're up in your new area? Like, do you guys have any like on-call service or is anybody allowed in the store? Like, yeah. uh, how do you go about that? Well, moving, moving from the retail spot to the warehouse spot. Now we can really put uh, a total stop to people walking in on us. Um, when we <laughs> left the old place, people would walk in without a mask and expect us to just be okay with that. Um, wow. so now there's nowhere to hang out. You come in through an industrial front door and you're there to drop off or pick up and that's basically it um we require masks uh we did build a separate wall with an extra door to block people from just coming in and coughing over things mm -hmm. uh, that did happen um oh, wow. i do offer curbside if people don't want to go inside of a building i did that before i do that now um i also now have mobile uh services where um i will pick up or drop off from someone's location within a certain mile radius Nice. Uh, so, you know, not many people do that. And now that I also have to, we require booking online or at least a phone call or an email to book a time slot. So I know someone's showing up and we're not caught without, you know, a mask in hand or something. Um, so I can book people and, and travel around for that too. So I'm really trying to, to, to get the, the service aspect out there a, a, as much as possible as a one man shop can do. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I can great. attest to that. The the mobile pickup thing with, with Facebook is how I did it. And that, that was seamless. I showed up, I was at work, showed up at like lunchtime. I texted you probably, I went, I went through Facebook messenger. I picked a time on your Facebook page. It was right there, clear cut and dry. Um, I clicked on which one I wanted and you got back to me within maybe a couple minutes, which I didn't expect. I thought it would take actually a little while. 
to set up the confirmation and then boom the next day i was able to drop my stuff off seamlessly i was there in and out five minutes yeah minimal contact you actually didn't even have me get out of my vehicle you actually opened the door of the back of my vehicle so the, the minimal contact so you, I, I, I saw you through the mask i was like i'm pretty sure that's him taking this this fender out of the back of my car so let's just hope but it, it was great it i mean if anybody has any reservations about any of that you're doing it as right as you can do it yeah because because that, I mean, that's the big hurdle that it seems to be for any business owner right now is how are you going to get around these restrictions and around these these guidelines? Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't think that our, our legislature is going after uh, writing stuff out on how your business is supposed to do it. So the fact that you've you've been able to figure it out so quickly, like kudos to you, man. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. And it's not even, I'll have to say, it's not even getting around the guidelines. It's just following the guidelines. Yeah, that's a better way to say it. We're definitely not trying to circumvent anything. Um, most recently, my, my wife's a, a teacher uh, in a high school, and she is, her school has not gone virtual yet for okay. the upcoming year. And there's a lot of anxiety about returning to a teaching uh you know, a school. <laughs> Completely <school>. understandable. But a lot of anxiety about going in there and having kids follow the rules, which you know they're not going to. So she, my wife's essentially going to be a frontline worker. And sure. again, going back, we have a child. So mm-hmm. um, I don't want to come home with anything. She doesn't want to come home with anything. We don't want to quarantine from people if we don't have to. So, you know, we play as safe as possible at home and we play as safe as possible at work. And I'm just doing my part, man. I don't want people to get sick. I've been telling everybody, <laughs> feet away or six feet under, bro. Just that's it. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. I'd rather be, you know, six feet from someone too, rather than being six feet in the ground. Cause I'm not, I'm not a fan of bugs or worms or any of that shit. So no, thank you. <laughs> Fuck that shit, dude. Like, I don't know. We're, we're trying so hard. I mean, like I, I'll go to a Wawa too and. You know, everybody like ninety percent of people are wearing a mask. I was just talking about this with a sack on the last podcast, and then um, like there's like a ten percent, like two or three people that are not wearing. It. It's like I don't know. I just I don't I don't know how you go about <laughs> thinking like that. But it's it's you, man. Like I mean, all we can do is educate as best as we can. So yep. I totally feel you for like taking that into consideration with your business because that's that's something that um, I appreciate. I'm sure a lot of other people appreciate too. So. I'm glad we're able to do that. Um, is there anything that we can expect in the near future uh, with you guys setting up shop at this warehouse? Anything that besides the custom built guitars, is there anything that you um, have plans for that you might start um, coming out once you're all settled in? Yeah, um, we're we're going to offer some more services. We're going to expand a little bit on, on what we can do in shop. Um, I'm... I don't know how it's all going to work yet. We're, we're definitely working on getting some bigger machinery. So um, keeping more things in-house, like I was talking about uh, the necks and the bodies being made off, off-site. There are ways to do it on-site um, involving some machinery and uh, obviously some time. So mm-hmm. I plan on cranking some more things out there. Um, you know, we're, we're I'm this weekend, while I was – today is my day off and all, but – um, I spent most of the morning working on the website and working on um, an online form that people can actually fill out without having to touch a piece of paper and they can just email it to me with drop down options, um, signatures and so forth. So I'm, I'm pushing to go paperless. Um, nice. So really, really just trying to streamline the process and make it as easy as possible. Um, I know not everybody's going to get it at once um, and I'll always get some pushback, especially with 
know, booking appointments and so forth. But, um, you know, just trying to make an easier process for everybody. Um, you know, I'll, I'm still going to carry the Diario products and they probably expand on the selection of strings that I have. Um, I'm going to expand my, my Ernie Ball dealership so I can have a bit more of Ernie Ball products for those people that like balls. Yeah, uh, the Music Man is pretty nice, yeah. Yeah. So really just kind of kind of working on getting some more things in-house, um, more parts in-house, more more dealerships with, uh, you know, Graph Tech. I've been in touch with Graph Tech for their products, for, for guitar products. Uh, Music Nomad I'm also in touch with, so I'm hopefully going to carry some of their polishes and so forth. Um, but really just trying to, again, just trying to streamline everything, keeping as much in-house as possible uh, without being a retail store. So, yeah. Mm, that's amazing. Zach, do you have anything to add before I close this podcast off real quick? No, I just just based on experience, uh, just once again, Mike, you're you're the best guy that that can touch one of my guitars. I, I trust you with anything that I get. I'm willing to make the drive out to you. So I, I highly encourage anybody that is in the market for uh, a new guitar uh, luthier to definitely give a give a check out to Guitar Rescue, Mike, um, and also with the amp shop with Jaded Faith. Take a look at them. Um, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, congratulations on yeah, thank congratulations you, on the move, especially during this uh, this crazy time that we're living in. Thank you. Um, thank you. As well as so the that's new point, all I, too. That's all I got. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He's a he's a bundle of joy. <laughs> really awesome that's so, fantastic yeah. yeah i can't wait to be a father one day um i appreciate you dude thank you so much for coming on and uh we'll be talking to you soon for sure thanks guys thank you thanks Take